Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's always important to get the very best information that you can. And today we're going to be talking about something you may never have heard about. You know that I've talked about Ayurveda before, but we're going to talk about Ayurvedic psychology. We're going to talk about being well. We're going to talk about how different personalities are affected by stress and anxiety. And this will be really important for you to know for yourself and for understanding other humans in your life. So stay tuned. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or coworker causing you to second guess yourself? That can be crazy making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Welcome to Save Your Sanity. I'm so glad you're here. And you know I always say that, but it's because I always am glad that you're here. It means that you found value and you've come back or you've seen something, then you know there is value for you here. And I encourage you to listen to all the episodes that will affect you or are about topics you need to know. There are so many episodes for you, so I'm glad that you are here. Today we're going to be talking about something we have not spoken about before. We have spoken about Ayurveda, we've spoken about health, we've spoken about immune systems, but today we're going to bring it all together and we're going to add something, and that's the dimension of Ayurvedic psychology. Now, don't tune out because this is important stuff. It's a new idea to you, but it's a very old understanding. So my guest today is Dr. Atusa Madhavi, and I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you so much. Hello, everyone. So this glad to be here. I'm I'm delighted. Atusa and I met recently, and I thought, oh, this is perfect. This would be wonderful. So let me tell you a little bit about her. She is a board certified in integrative medicine and a doctor of chiropractic and Ayurvedic medicine and an Ayurvedic yoga therapist as well as a certified Hatha yoga teacher. We have that in common. And she's been in private practice in Beverly Hills in the field of holistic medicine, a health and wellness expert, an author and speaker with more than 25 years of the very important hands-on experience. She helps people achieve optimal health and well-being, vitality and vibrant energy, and helps you stay grounded, which we all need to know how to do, uh, and motivated, productive, and living life to the height of our potential. You know, that phrase, uh, are we living up to our potential? I always laugh at that because how would we ever know? Um <clears throat> Our, as soon as we learn something, our potential grows. Um, so it's always an interesting thing. So tell us how you chose your field. Okay, so um, ever since I was a child, I, I remember getting um, drawn towards my um, grandparents. My grandfather was very close to me, and uh, I really loved him. 
and uh, he lived in the same household with us, with my grandma. And uh, when I was uh, like that kind of a close bond between a grandchild and a grandfather. And uh, when I was four years old, he passed away. And uh, at that time, nobody explained to me what happened. You know, he was just here one day and then gone. And I could even see him lying on his deathbed, um, motionless, lifeless. But I had no explanation for it. As far as I knew, he was gone. And so, so I think that triggered a sense of curiosity within me. And then as I was growing older, when I was six or seven, uh, my uh, uh, grandma from my dad's side came to stay with us for a while. And she had rheumatoid arthritis. Mm. And so I, would, I, was, I was still like in kindergarten and at home um, when she was visiting at home a lot with her alone. And um, I would watch her as she would rub ointments on her joints. And one day I just said, what is that? And she told me for pain, etc. So I started doing that for her, like rubbing her joints. As I grew older with my aunt uh, and my own father who developed this carnation, I was 12 years old, I was walking on his back and I was like using my hand and using my feet. I had never seen it anywhere. Nobody ever trained me. But there was this keen sense of um, wanting to get people out of pain, just grew. And then when I was in college, um, looking into different fields of medicine, I knew that I wasn't someone who likes to give people medication. I had like a very intuitive sense myself about taking pharmaceutical medication. Never liked it. So then I looked at different varieties of alternative medicine and I went to visit chiropractors before I chose my field of studies in university. And I loved what they were doing and suddenly it clicked that this is what I was doing even as a child for my family. It really clicked. So then I chose uh, to be a study chiropractic medicine. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I was I was raised in a <clears throat> strange situation. You know, we talk about toxic relationships a lot here. I had two toxic parents, but my mother went into a mental institution when I was very young, and um, I had to go and stay with my godparents. And my godparents were very holistically minded. They had their own organic garden. My godmother. You know, she was 55 when I was born. She was into German Kniep baths and all kinds of alternative therapies. And here I was, a little person, three, four, and gathering eggs and making food and experiencing this. And that that also set me on a path of looking at what is natural, what helps us to heal, Mm -hmm. and how to keep myself healthy. So I think that's very interesting because it is kind of an intuitive thing. You know, for many of us, we grow up and we think, you know, that that appeals to me. I'm drawn to that. I know something about that. Almost as though we came into this incarnation with an interest in things like that. (laughs) So true. So... You know, we've talked about Ayurveda before, and that is the scientific medical side of how we can interact with plants and food and and different things that will allow us to stay in optimal health. 
And what do you think is the most important thing that drew you to Ayurveda? Mm -hmm. So, you know, many years after I became a chiropractor and got a board certification in integrative medicine, um, I was working with um, supplements, nutrition, all support, et cetera, diet also. But then there was something there that um, was missing. Like I felt like, why is it that sometimes some of these things are working for certain population or certain people, but then I would have to tweak it for certain other people for it to work. So this idea of treatment needs to be personalized and it has to be individualized and that we all have a very unique nature. Um, it, I was introduced to that concept um, intuitively, but also when I was in India getting my Hatha Yoga teacher training, mm -hmm. they gave us an introduction to Ayurveda. And suddenly I'm listening to the teacher talking about everybody has their own unique constitution depending on the um, combination of different uh, elements and how which one predominates, et cetera. And suddenly there was an aha moment that mm -hmm. this is the missing link. Mm -hmm. I have functional medicine, nutrition, chiropractic. By then uh, I had already been teaching yoga to some of my patients from what I had learned in the US. And now I'm in India getting a certification in Hatha Yoga and I get the awakening of, oh, there is Ayurveda. <laughs> and then I can add that to the tool. Yes. Well, um, I have a similar path, but you know, for people who are listening and they're saying, okay, great. Now I know you're an expert. We've had this conversation and they may be saying, okay, how does this apply to me? Well, I want to talk particularly about people who find themselves in toxic situations, maybe maybe just for a little while, maybe for a long while, and how they're affected by the anxiety and the long-term stress, and who is most affected, because that's where Ayurveda becomes very interesting, is that there are some people who are just not as affected by that as other humans are. They will be like you were talking about constitution. So the word that we used for constitution in Ayurveda is a dosha. So a person like myself with a kapha primarily dosha, you know, I'm pretty much like a rock. I am like heavy water. I can weather things. They don't bother me very much. But people who have another constitution like vata, they are going to have a lot of air, a lot of circulation, a lot of motion in their system. They're particularly affected. Mm -hmm. Talk about that. Okay, yeah. So the concept of Ayurvedic psychology, again, it boils down to what is the predominant element or elements within the system? Now, the five elements of earth, water, fire, air, and space. So we have three doshas. We have the kapha dosha, like yourself, very stable, very grounded. The ojas or the immunity is very high. Longevity is very high, etc. Strength, endurance, they're supportive, they're loyal, they're always reliable, they're devotional, loving, sweet. That's the kapha dosha. And they are very strong and agile. Then we have the pitta dosha. And that's, so kapha is earth and water. It's 
the have quality of heaviness, the quality of st stability, groundedness, still fluidity, but very much controlled fluidity, etc. Now, Peter Dosha is fire and water. Now, fire has a very ungrounded or unstable quality. It's very sharp. It's very hot. Uh, at the same time, it has light, so it's visionary. It's it's a leadership quality. Mm -hmm. uh, they are um, very much. Um, disciplined, logical, um, they're friendly, but they're kind of exclusive a little bit in terms of that, the friendliness. Uh, they're not necessarily the social butterflies. Um, very much project-oriented, etc. Then uh, we go to Vata. Vata is air and space. And air and space is very light, is very mobile, is very ungrounded. It's very porous. At the same time, they're very open-hearted. They're very loving. They're creative. A lot of the artists have that. And they're unstable. They're a little bit, they can be, when they're out of balance, they can be unreliable. Uh, they have, uh, they're prone to anxiety and really taking in the pain of the world, etc. And so Vata Dosha or Vata Constitution is the one constitution that is very much prone for anxiety and being affected by the external circumstances or situation. Okay, so let's talk about this very specifically for people. Um, and that is that if you're listening to this and you just related to yourself, which I'm sure you did, <laughs> um, and, and you wonder, like, why am I always in high anxiety? Why am I more affected than other people? Why do I get a little more frightened than other folks? Why do I go to the worst case scenario? You know, things that will happen in your mind and also therefore happen in your body. This is when you really want to understand that your wada is out of alignment. It is out of proportion. It is unbalanced. Mm -hmm. And these are very important features. So let's talk about that a little bit in terms of this. Maybe you are breathing in the top of your chest. You are not deep breathing. You tend to um, be in motion all the time. Mm -hmm. You tend to uh, use up your food source very quickly. So you need to eat more frequently than other humans. Mm -hmm. You're always on the lookout. You've always got food in your pocket. You're always hungry. Your mind is flitting from one thing to the other. You know, I've got clients right now who are saying, oh, what happens if, you know, we, we get this uh, situation mm -hmm. with the coronavirus for a really long time? They're already way down the road in anxiety, yeah. right? Yeah. Absolutely. So if you're identifying with that, or you live with someone, or you gave birth to someone who is identifying in that way, we need to have some really quick things to do. Because we're going to talk about so many aspects of this, but right here, right now, at this point in our interview, let's talk about what will calm that dosha. What can yes. someone do? Yes. Because the quality of water dosha and air and space is unstable and ungrounded, the first thing, the very first thing that we need to look at is daily routines, is to have set routines. Because Vata is very playful, it's very haphazard. They eat one day at this time, the next day they skip breakfast, the next day they have breakfast. So it's very haphazard. They don't have a set routine. So the first thing that I can recommend is set your routines in such a way 
that you wake up at the same time or within an hour, like not varying more than an hour. Wake up at the same time every day, uh, go to bed at the same time every day, have your meals at the same time every day, again, like within an hour of time span. And also, um, when you choose your food, they should not have any cold qualities and drying qualities. So, so daily routines, eating, sleeping, waking up at the same time, doing your activity at the same time. Like let's say if you have a meditation or yoga routine, do it at the same time. Don't vary the timing. So everything that you do has to be routined. So that's one very big important aspect. Now, one other thing that, uh, another aspect that Wata is very prone to is that they love to stay up at night. Like they get very creative at night and they go to bed very late. So we need to look at that and make sure that you go to bed no later than 10 p.m., for example. Make sure you get seven to eight hours of sleep. Vata needs more sleep compared to Pitta and Kapadosha. Vata needs more sleep. So if you think, oh, I'm okay with six hours, etc., and then you look at the symptoms and signs of your Vata being out of balance, you know that you need to add more sleep to your routine, not staying up, etc. So that's so, one thing. It's really important for us to realize how much we can do for ourselves. This is one of the reasons that I've asked Dr. Madhavi to be on the program is so that you will understand there are things that you can actually change in your way of going about your life that can have really quite large effect on your level of interaction and getting where you want to be in life and staying healthy. So this is a very important understanding. If this movement part of life, this water part, this part that is constantly living lighter on the earth. You can just think about that because it, you know, it's like Roadrunner. They're not quite touching. <laughs> or Woodstock and Charlie Brown, you know, like, here we go, here we go, here we go. <laughs> and that kind of energy, if that's your energy, this is the opportunity to say, hmm, I need to do some things that ground me. Mm -hmm. And that's what I hear you talking about. Like routines will ground us. Mm -hmm. You know, getting some regularity into the system will ground us. Uh, also the <laughs> fact that cold things, you know how they agitate when you have something cold, they stimulate you. Mm -hmm. When you start to realize that these things can be different, it makes sense, doesn't it? That cold it kind of sets everything in motion. But when you have something warm or room temperature, not much changes. You're like, okay, we're still good. Mm -hmm. So if you find yourself in an anxious situation or an anxious relationship, ask yourself first, what do I know about myself? What can mm -hmm. I do? And then this very good advice um, that uh, Dr. Madhavi is giving you is, okay, consider Am I grabbing things quickly out of the fridge? Am mm. I letting my fruit come to room temperature before I eat it? Mm -hmm. Simple things like that. So you talked about cold. And yes. what is the other aspect that we need to be careful of yeah. with the water imbalance? Yeah, so uh, quality of cold, especially environment or food, but also um, knowing that how to... Um, 
balance that is by having foods that can heat us up. Foods like ginger, like black pepper, and ghee. Ghee, which is purified uh, butter, it also helps the agni or digestive fire. In Ayurveda, agni is the digestive fire, so you could metabolize food better. Also, the quality of dryness. We need to reduce the quality of dryness. So that's why also ghee comes in, because ghee is a healthy oil for vata dosha. Ghee, avocado, avocado oil, coconut butter, coconut oil. So making sure our, our food is not dry, that we either cook, not frying, but cooking with oil, healthy oils like ghee, coconut butter, almond, uh, almond oil, coconut oil, etc. And um, also, like let's say if we steam vegetables, you could pour some olive oil on it. So having oil is very important to um, neutralize the effects of any dryness in food. Uh, so for sure, like chips, you want to stay away from, popcorn, you want to, like anything that has a drying effect, food that is not, that does not contain healthy oils has a drying effect. Yes. So, so even if you're it. not basically a water dosha, you can have a water imbalance. Yes. So you could be going through a period of time in your life where maybe you're on high alert. Maybe some awful things have happened. Maybe you have a great fear. Maybe you're living in a chronically toxic relationship and you're on edge all the time. You're hypersensitive. You're hypervigilant. Yeah. You're, you're concerned. You know, you're getting all your exercise by walking on eggshells. Yeah. <laughs> um, you might then say, okay, something I can do for myself. Maybe I can't change that other human and mm -hmm. true enough, you can't. But what can I do about me? Well, that's why I'm bringing you this information and why I'm so happy to have Dr. Atusa here is because I want you to feel empowered that there is something you can do and you know exactly what to do. So when you get into that situation, avoid the cold and lubricate. You know, mm -hmm. have some oil, have some things that are going to warm you. Isn't that lovely to have permission to pour olive oil over your vegetables? I mean, hey, that could be great. Maybe okay. some flavored olive oil that has some tarragon or basil or whatever you enjoy having. But it allows you to say, okay, I am actually doing this for my health. I know what to do. We all want to feel empowered that we know how to take care of ourselves in the highest and best way. That's what I love about Ayurveda. When you learn about it, you know what to have in your kitchen. You know how to regulate your routines. You know what to do when things go a bit sideways and you know what's out of balance. So very important for us to know how to handle anxiety if we're in a toxic relationship and we want all the tools that we can have. So when we're talking about Ayurvedic psychology, how does that offer us different perspectives than simply looking at the food? Yeah, so when you look at Ayurvedic psychology, there is also this opportunity to understand other people, not only ourselves. Okay, so this is the reason why I'm anxious all the time. Because I right now, either you have a constitution or a dosha that is vata, or you have an imbalance that is vitiated vata or increased vata. 
either way, you can understand that right now the quality of air and space is increased in me. That's why I'm anxious. That's why I'm panicking. I'm fearful. I'm, at, you know, like a little bit irritated, whatnot. And when you, when you understand this is from a much more elemental, you know, uh, nature within you, you can also understand the other person relating to that and how that is basically um, bothering them or irritating them. For example, if a vata dosha is with a pitta dosha, um, then uh, the pitta dosha is very prone to agitation and anger and irritability. So the more you express or manifest the quality of anxiousness and worriness and complaining and uh, instability, the more your pitta counterpart, the person that is more prone to anger and criticalness and blaming is gonna be reacting to you that way. So with Ayurvedic psychology, gaining this understanding of how can I uh, make myself in such a way and manage myself in such a way that I'm not putting out this kind of an energy, then that would subside the way this my other uh, person in my life reacts back to me. And mm -hmm. so understanding also what is the most dominant element in my counterpart? Is it more fire? So then you understand the anger in them and you can understand how you're bouncing back to each other uh, from a very uh, innate elemental per, um, manifestation of who you are. And then you can manage that better. I don't know if that answered your question. Well, it answers the question very, very well on several fronts because one of the things that we do want to do is to know ourselves and to know how to keep ourselves in the most balanced state. But also then if we can go beyond and recognize when our partner is behaving in particular ways and how they're different from us in their dosha, yeah. you know, their imbalance is different than our imbalance. And, you know, many times we'll find that people who are toxic are having um, pitta imbalances because their fire is out of control. They're, you know, I think about a case where I was working with a couple and the, the man was of a, a pitta, pitta dosha. Um, I was dealing them for, with them from a psychological nature, but of course I can't help but, but recognize all these other things. Yeah. And, you know, he was saying, you know, she can't regulate my food. I can eat anything I want. I have a cast iron stomach. Who does she oh. think she is to not make what I want to eat? Yeah. And I thought, oh, there we go. I mean, here is this person who is endeavoring quite intuitively to yeah. not give him all the spices that he wanted and all the fiery food. Yeah. <laughs> she just happened to know that. And he was responding to it like, you're trying to control me, which, of course, a toxic person hates. But it was just interesting that it happened to come down to that. And, you know, I was suggesting to her afterwards, you know, does he like ice cream? Can you get him any dairy products? What, what could you add to the diet that would allow him to maybe calm down? Now, I don't want to speak simplistically. Obviously, when you're with a toxic person, it's way more than what they're eating. 
But there are some things that are in our control, and that's what we're talking about today. You know, you are within your control, how you're taking care of your health, how you are managing your imbalances. And then if you recognize what's going on on the other side, that'll help you as well. But the being able to understand that in a family, you will have all of these doshas in, yeah. in, and they will go into imbalance, even if you do seem to be similarly minded. You know, many times we'll have a child in a family who is uh, totally different than us. And we think, where did that come from? You know, how did that happen? And yeah. and so it's very important to understand that there are various ways of understanding the nature of another human. And yes, we can do it from a psychological perspective, but we can also do it from this Ayurvedic perspective. And it allows us to have a greater understanding. Mm -hmm. It allows us also to not push buttons yeah. consciously. Yeah. And that's an important piece, right? Because if you yes. know you can throw somebody into anxiety, mm -hmm. boy, that is power. Yeah. Like a hijackal, a toxic person, likes to keep you in uncertainty and chaos and confusion. Mm -hmm. So if you happen to have a wada dosha, yeah. it bothers you way more than it would bother me with a predominantly kapha dosha. Like, okay, if you want to spin like that, you go ahead and spin over there. It has nothing to do with me. But a wada person says, oh, we're spinning. <laughs> yeah. And so this is important information, and I'm so delighted that we can talk about it. So let's talk about some very specific pieces. Um, mm -hmm. how, do, how does a personality evolve, and how can we gain some mastery over it um, beyond our food? Like maybe there are breathing techniques, meditation yes. techniques, things that we can concentrate on. What would you suggest? For sure. So it comes really to uh, mastering the mind, mastering our mind. Now, coming from the Hatha Yoga uh, background, uh, you've probably heard about the Yoga Sutras. It's the, one of the first books of yoga that was ever written by Patanjali. It's all about mind. It doesn't talk about one posture. There is only maybe one posture, and that's the sitting meditation posture, but not all of these other postures that are being practiced. So because one needs to master the mind by sitting in meditation, but breathing and breath work is one of the preparatory steps towards becoming meditative. So especially for a vata dosha, meditation and mastering the breath and um, breathing, especially diaphragmatically, most vata doshas are breathing fast. They're um, doing shallow breathing. And one thing that needs to happen is by learning how to breathe diaphragmatically, learning how to have long and slow and full breath that is in our control. So that every day paying attention to our breath is very, very crucial for grounding the vata. Why the breath is important in terms of mastering the mind is because we know in Ayurveda, and also yogic sciences, that the breath is the bridge between the physical body and, to men and the mental body or the emotional body. Sure. So, right? So if, if you can utilize your breath properly 
uh, not only during meditation or breathing practices, but also throughout the day, pay attention to your breath. Is it shallow? Then take some time and bring your attention to your breath in the belly area and the chest area. You could even put your hands, one hand on the chest, one hand on the belly, and make sure that with each inhalation, your belly and your chest expands, and with each exhalation, it contracts, it goes down. And so if you practice that, just by mastering your breath, you can calm the mind, you can control the agitations at the level of the nervous system. So mm-hmm. that, you know, I've said many times on this show that I believe the least expensive, most luxurious vacation that anybody can take is a deep breath because it allows us to get our shoulders down from our earlobes to allow our body to get rid of carbon dioxide and take in um, oxygen to, to feed every cell. And it takes 20 seconds for one good deep breath, the oxygen in it to go all the way around your blood system. Mm-hmm. So that's why we use breathing techniques that I've talked about before. Four, seven, eight breathing. Breathe in deeply through your nose. Get in as much oxygen as you can. Hold it for seven to let it all go through your body. Then exhale all the carbon dioxide you can out of your lungs. And do that several times. And what you'll notice is the refreshment. Your mind will clear. Your body will feel better. You'll be relaxed. Mm-hmm. So important. So when you're in a toxic situation or when you can see that somebody's come home and they're a little agitated, maybe they're a little irritated, maybe they're a little short, do something for yourself. You can't do anything to change them. Do something for yourself. Oh, I could take a few deep breaths here so I'm not agitated and on edge. Mm -hmm. The reason we're talking about these things today is to give you tools. So that when whatever's coming at you, you are in the best shape possible. So when Atusa is talking about the breath and she's talking about making sure that you have a breath that is going all the way through your lungs, you know, your lungs come way up higher than you think. And when at the bottom of the lungs, lungs shaped like pears, when you're having that completely inflated bottom, they push your diaphragm down. It makes that full feeling in your belly. You know, that's, what, that's when you know you've inflated your lungs. And those are good things. That's opening up airways and, and uh, allowing all of your lung capacity to work mm-hmm. for you. So mm-hmm. it's a tool that you don't have to get fancy about. You just have to know that deep breathing brings yeah. better health. Yes. A really good reason to do it. And so then if we do the deep breathing and we get a little bit calm, then we can go on and we can talk about sitting in silence. You know, uh, a dear friend and I wrote a book called Soul Solitude, taking time for our soul to catch up. That's what you do when you're sitting quietly. You take a few deep breaths and you just sit. And you allow yourself to catch up with yourself. And then maybe you'll notice that you begin to have different thoughts. Maybe things will come to mind. And maybe you can just say, okay, we're just sitting quietly now. And you can allow yourself 10 minutes of peace. What about that? Beautiful. Beautifully said. Absolutely. So um, interestingly enough, um, 
uh, right now with the virus, coronavirus, that practice that you talked about, about the uh, breath, full deep breath to a number of eight and then holding it for seven and then exhaling fully. Even this, when it comes to fighting uh, viruses or fighting an infection, making sure you have a full lung capacity, that by itself can make a big deal, a huge difference in terms of allowing the lungs to do its job, allowing the immune system to do its job, protect your lung tissues from you know, the virus totally taking over, etc. So the breath is one sure way of bringing anxiety under, uh, under control, mastering your mind, uh, bringing your focus away from your thoughts because Vata is thinking, thinking one, and you know, one uh, thought to the next, jumping from one thing to another. When you bring your attention away from your thinking process to your breath, pay attention to the sound of the breath, pay attention to the sensation of the breath, then you're distracting the mind from going to all kinds of thinking process, bring it back to your body, to your breath, to your heart. And that by itself can do a lot um, for calmness, serenity, bringing peacefulness and alleviating anxiety and helping with coping mechanisms for stress as well. Yes, so important. So invaluable, this information. And you see, it's absolutely free. You don't have to go anywhere to remind yourself to take a deep breath. When energy starts coming at you and it concerns you, take care of you. Mm -hmm. You know, you can do deep breathing while you're having a conversation because you can speak on the exhalation. (laughs) You can smile as you exhale and continue the conversation. You can do it anywhere. But know that you have a tool in your toolbox. You have breathing. You yes. can look after your, your food sources. You can do things for yourself that will help you. When you're in a toxic relationship, there are a lot of factors coming at you. But you mm-hmm. want to be as good to you as you possibly can to be in the best possible shape so that you are not getting worn down, torn down while you're being put down. And these are things that will help you. So I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. My pleasure. Absolutely. My guest today has been Dr. Atusa Madavi, and you find her at yourvitalitydoctor.com. Yourvitalitydoctor.com. Don't worry if you're driving or exercising. It's in the show notes, and you can go and find them when you return to your computer. So... We always have things here that will help you manage toxic relationships, whether they're in your past or they're in your present. So if you'd like to know more or get in touch with Dr. Atusa Madavi, go to yourvitalitydoctor.com. If you'd like to talk to me, come on over to transformingrelationship.com. I offer new clients a one-hour consultation at beaclient.com, and you're welcome to use that. So another edition of Save Your Sanity podcast, and I'm going to remind you, as I always do, how very important it is to take care of yourself because you matter. Talk soon. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights 
some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that, and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash saveyoursanity. Learn more about how to work with me via video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon.